We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. time many months too many miserable games um but with the hawks defeat um pretty sound defeat by the way 131 107 of the cleveland cavaliers um the new york knicks are officially eliminated from postseason contention uh yes i see you jaden evans stop john i want to be sad yeah i i mean I don't know. Is it a sad day? I guess kind of. Um, <clears throat> it's. Um, I'm gonna. I'll say a few words about the season and my thoughts on it. But uh, I, at least right now, I'm feeling a little. Um, I don't know. Kind of feeling actually oddly relieved. That may not make a lot of sense, but this season has been. This season has been trying. Uh, for I think a lot of fans. Um, I think, you know, whether you were in the, hey, we're going to win 50 games group, and there were more of those folks out there than probably would care to admit right now. I think actually I put a, I remember I put a Twitter poll out before the season started with, I think my four choices were Knicks will win over 50 games, Knicks will win like between 47 and 49 or like 46 and 49 and then like maybe 42 to 45 and then like there'll be an under 500 team and I think close to half the people thought that this was a 50 win team now granted that's Nick's Twitter and it's not representative of like all fans but there was a lot of hope for this for this team um and I think there was reasonable hope there was reason to believe that there was a stability here provided by everything that we came to appreciate and enjoy last season. And, you know, there, there was no, there, there was no, they might like not win as many games, but they weren't going to get materially worse. And if they got a little bit worse in a few areas, they would make up for it by getting better in other areas, because how could they possibly get worse going from, you know, Alfred Payton and, and Reggie Bullock to Kemba Walker and, and Evan Fournier on offense, or so we thought. So whether you were in like the 50 win group or in like the other uh, win in the mid forties and there'll be a playoff team or, you know, you were a little bit more down on them and you're like, you know what, I think they're going to be around 500, a little bit better than 500, but I think they're going to, it's going to be a step forward for the organization. Whatever it was, I don't think any Nick fan went into this season thinking um, it was going to be this stressful and trying and just honestly not very fun. 
And like, I say that with a little bit of trepidation because I, I'm, and this will kind of feed into my overall impression of the year, which is basically that I don't know what it's going to be yet. And we can't know what it is yet because we don't have enough information. I think there's a lot of way, there's possibility we're going to look on this season fondly years from now. And I think there's a possibility we're going to look on back on the season, not fondly. Um, but well, there was, well, there is definitely the potential for us to look back on the season fondly because there is real young talent here. And like, you know, we talk about the young talent after every game, we talk about it on the podcasts and like me and Benji just did like a whole thing on all their young players in the pod this week. <clears throat> um, that's all been good and fun. And it's been cool to see RJ Barrett turn into a real piece. And it's been great to see Emmanuel quickly, you know, pick up where he off, left off last season, last season and arguably advance even more. And, you know, on and on down the line, you could be encouraged about Obi Toppin. You could be encouraged about, you know, Mitchell Robinson. You could be encouraged about Quentin Grimes, about Deuce of Pride, about Jericho Sims. You'd be excited, you know, about Cam Reddish when he finally gets on the floor and has a chance to do some things. I mean, that's, I just reeled off eight players. Are all of them going to be, you know, core rotation pieces for this franchise going forward? Of course not. But, you know, there's been a lot of years where we haven't been able to look at the roster and find like one or two young rotation pieces to get excited about. And, you know, I just named off eight guys. And I don't know if it's going to be three, four, five, like whatever it's going to be, it's, it's better than it's been here in a while. And so that's been cool and fun. And all of those guys have given us moments this year and things to be excited about. But there's no, like, even if that turns out good, that part of it, of the equation, this season, people are going to look back on it and remember it like just, just not fun. Um, you know, and like you could think back, you could go all the way back. I mean, literally, even though opening night was one of the most fun games I feel like I've ever been a part of, even that night, it, like up, whatever, what were they up? 10, were they up 11, 12, something like that. 10, 11, 12, with three minutes to go. And it's like, all right, we're back, baby. Here we go. And then it's like they whittle away the lead and like piss it away in, in a few minutes with just some of the most careless shit. And it's like, this isn't what we expected. Okay, we'll chalk it up to the first game. And then, you know, four nights later, they lose to a Magic team that was expected to be the worst team in basketball. And they are one of the worst teams in basketball. And then, you know, on and on we went where, I mean, it's just like, if you think about it for a second, it took until this week to have a winning streak of over three games, which means this team never got any real momentum. Like anytime, like even in like those couple of like two and three game winning streaks, there would be something materially worth complaining about. And like legit, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade, like legitimately complain about it. I'm like, I come on here and I'll, you know, I'll defend the coach and the came early in the season. Like I was defending Randall and like, I always try to put a positive spin on it, but like people had genuine reasons to be upset even during some wins. Because we would just see signs of things that were really troubling. And God knows how many how many games there were where just the entire starting unit looked like a complete disaster. Um, all that's like that's when I when I think back to this year, you know, and like I'm not gonna pat myself on the back for this, um, because I, I if I if I really foresaw it going this way, I would have been a little bit bolder with a prediction to this, to this end. But like I said, in one of the last podcasts before the season, I'm like, I just have 2013, 14 stuck in the back of my mind. And it's funny. I was actually looking up. I had, I had completely forgotten this and I looked it up before the Knicks were officially eliminated during that season. There was uh, it was a week to go. Actually, no, it was like four day, five days to go in the season. And they were eliminated when the Hawks won a game. Um, the Hawks made it, they didn't. And sure enough, here we are back, um, eight years later. And once again, the Knicks are eliminated because the Hawks won a game, not five days left in the regular season, uh, 10 days instead left in the regular season, but, you know, kind of similar too little too late, um, as that team making a run. I think the difference 
between the teams is that team early on at least you felt like they were snake bitten. I think they got off to something like a two and nine start or two three and three and ten some some terrible start, and then like they would just shoot themselves in the foot here, shoot themselves in the foot there, and then they finally started to put it together and like you saw the talent and like they were a crazy good net rating team for the last month, month and a half of that year. Um, This team, there was something off, fundamentally off, just like, like something in the water supply, something tainted everything about this season. And again, I, I you could even go back to those first couple of weeks and you could see it then. Something was off. And like I haven't gotten to the super chat yet. I'm gonna get to the super chats in a minute. But like, you know, who you blame for this year, I really do think it comes down to one, your personality probably, but two, it's just like the things that you value and like how your what your sensibilities are as a sports fan. My big thing. If you think this is mostly on Tibbs, if you think this is mostly on Julius Randle, if you think this is mostly on Kemba Walker, if you think this is mostly on a poor roster, if you think this is mostly on the front office, whatever you think, you can't be – you're not wrong. No one's wrong. I, I mean, I guess there are some people who are like, well, if you think it has anything to do with this person, then you're wrong. Like, whatever your opinion is, I think it's valid. I think it's valid because there is no one who can come out of the season unscathed, you know, and like different parties will have their defenders. Like I, I always defend tips. That's what I do. There are people out there nowadays defending Randall, which I, I, God bless those folks. Um, Everybody should have a friend like the people that are uh, defending Julius Randle on Twitter nowadays, you know, and, and like Jeremy, Jeremy defends the front office and he will continue to defend the front office. Like everybody is justified in having their defenders. Everybody is justified in having people who blame them when, when it goes this sour. And that's really what this season was. It was so sour. And I say that about a team that is even right now, they're like barely a point per hundred possessions, like negative. In the negative, like they're, I think they're 0.9 points per hundred possessions in the negative. They have like the 18th or 19th best net rating in the in the NBA. That's obviously it's not where people wanted it. It's also not a disaster, which is the crazy part. Is that you know, I mean, I, I don't know. People watching, you you've been around for different periods of time. Some people have been around since since the championship years. Watching this right now, I'm sure, or listening to this tomorrow on podcast. Like, we can remember a lot of bad years. Um, this one feels unique to me because there were, again, there were years where you went into it and you're just like, this is probably not going to work. It's a stretch to think that, like, Zach Randolph and Jamal Crawford are going to be able to compose, you know, uh, the two main pillars of a good basketball team. Or, man, I'm not sure about that Eddie Curry fellow uh, really keeping it together and, and, holding the fort down as a, as a, as a pillar of the franchise, you know, or like, Hmm, I'm not sure if Howard Isley and Shannon Anderson are the, are the, I don't know if they're the droids we're looking for here. Um, or how, how about that Tim Hardaway Jr. Man, I, I, I'm, it's nice to have him back, but I don't know if he's going to be worth that $18 million a year. I'm just, I'm not so sure. Like we could think of all of those seasons where, where you had, if you were being realistic, you had real doubts. This season, again, even if you weren't super high on this team, there was just a sense that it was going to be – it wasn't going to be this. You know, it wasn't going to be this. And that's based on everything from last year. It was based on Julius Randle, not only his play on the court, but I think what we all believed at the time was genuine – not only genuine leadership, but genuine – genuine embrace of the role of being a leader of the team and being like a pillar of the city of New York. It sounds crazy to say that now. Um, you just got booed in pregame introductions, but like that was there. And like Thibodeau, like I don't, I don't need to talk about Thibodeau, but like the man won coach of the year that everybody, even if you didn't like Tibbs, you, you at least had to tip your cap and be like, if he's on the sidelines, it can only get so bad. And, you know, when we thought about like Leon Rose and worldwide West and this whole, 
you know, collective front office making decisions together. And it was like working and, you know, they had their finger on the pulse and the whole thing. And then, you know, you had your key veterans, you had Taj, you know, coming back and you like, um, RJ Barrett, he's a worker. Like all of these kids are workers. Obi's a worker. Emmanuel quickly is a worker. Like all of this stuff, you know, Fournier, not everybody's cup of tea, but like he's got the dude's a gamer. He's, he's kind of tough or so tough in his own way. Um, and then of course the, the cherry on top was Kemba Walker, right? It's like, even if he lost a step, like how could Kemba Walker coming back to New York go badly? Um, so that's why like this, this season really for me does occupy a, a unique um, place. And in a lot of ways has maybe been my most, I don't want to say my most disappointing season, but, I don't know. I, it's it's weird to say. It's like because there have been worse seasons, obviously, and there have been seasons that had less exciting moments. God knows, a lot less exciting moments. And yet, I think about the season. I'm like, man, this is just the least fun I've had being a Nick fan. And maybe that's because I'm like so immersed in it now, and like I come on and I do this and I talk about the team so much and the whole thing. And I'm like, I'm never not thinking about this team, which is like this is this year's team was not the team that you you wanted to never not be thinking. It's really not, I would not recommend it to anyone. Trust me. Um, all that being said, last thing I want to say before I get to the to comments and the super chats, and I appreciate everybody in here watching and um, contributing so far. Um, I do think that this is a fork in the road moment for the franchise. And I think there is a real chance that we look back on this year and be like, oh, yeah, the 21-22 season, that was when we kind of had to take our medicine after – you know, the big 15 year, that great big 15 year. Yeah. We had to kind of come to grips with a few things and make the adjustments that we needed to make. But boy, after we got through that shit, it was, uh, you know, it's the Shawshank line, right? It's, uh, what is it? 500 feet or 500 yards of shit smelling foulness. Uh, you wouldn't you know, wish on anybody. Maybe we'll come out of it the other side. Um, and I think the, we don't have to get into it right now, but I think there's going to be moves that they could make where, that's a real, and I'm not saying they're going to be a 50 win team next year. I don't think that's realistic, but they could come out of this thing. Okay. And then, you know, just like I was afraid to mention 2013, 14 out loud before this season starts, I'm afraid to sit here and mention 2014, 15 now, because for as rough as 2013, 14 was 14, 15 for anybody who doesn't remember that, that, that was when it was just like, Oh my God, this is not a basketball team anymore. This is a, this is a this is a, a comedy troupe, um, and it just went completely off the hills. I don't think I, famous last words. I don't think that could be in the cards, um, <clears throat> but nothing's ever guaranteed. It's seeming seemingly with this franchise. So look, let's see what they do. Um, I mean, there's no shortage of offseason questions. Uh, what do they do with Julius Randle? Do, does Mitchell Robinson stay? Are they able to extend RJ Barrett? Um, what moves do they make? Like it, literally everything they do is going to have an impact on like a young player on the roster, because if they go out and they draft somebody or they go out and they trade for somebody and they go out and they sign someone like there's going to be a young, unless they trade away a young player in the deal, which is possible. There's going to be a young player on the roster that plays the same position as whoever it is that they go and draft and trade for and sign. So like literally any position they're going to be, we're going to be able to draw a conclusion about like, Oh, does that mean that they really, they really don't believe in Obi Toppin, huh? Or, wow, I guess they don't think much of Emmanuel quickly's prospects as a future, you know, starting guard of the NBA or even like a six man, like whatever they do, it's going to, every decision they make is going to have an impact. There is nobody on this roster where there is not a question about the only player who's on the roster that there's no question about, I, I think is RJ. And yet, Ironically enough, I would argue that maybe other than Randall, the biggest question of the offseason is whether they can finally break the curse and finally sign a rookie to an extension. Um, because, you know, despite what I wrote earlier this week, I do think that there is a chance that there's some, you know, contention in, in, in the negotiations for, um, for RJ's next contract. So uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how all of this goes. We'll start talking about that pretty soon. We do have some games left. Uh, we'll keep doing the post games, keep reacting, the whole thing. 
Um, yeah, I think that's really all I wanted to say. Um, you know, and I guess the last thing is like, I do want to say that <clears throat> to the extent that I have been, I have gotten admittedly extremely frustrated throughout the year. And sometimes that frustration lets itself out on here. Um, I, anyone who was, anyone who was stuck with this team, even a little bit this year, you deserve a badge of honor and you deserve a medal. And whatever your opinion is that you hold about, again, who is to blame, who's at fault, who's not at fault, this, that, and the other thing, it's valid. It's valid because you know what? You're a fan and it's through the eye of the beholder. So, um, you know, respect to every Knicks fan everywhere. We continue to stick it out with this team to our own detriment. And, uh, you know, we'll be back for more next season, I'm sure. Okay, let's see what we got going on in the uh, in the good old super chat. I'll try to hit up some some uh, chats, regular chats as well. Andrew, I think you're watching along. If you see anything in the regular chat that feels uh, worth pinning, um, <clears throat> feel free to do that. Sorry, my voice is going a little bit. Uh, first comment from Andrew Paladino, 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 at work and looked down and saw emergency pod with a, th- a Tibbs thumbnail and thought hashtag fire Tibbs squad would be rejoicing tonight. LOL. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I um, uh, they're not. That's not going to happen tonight or tomorrow or before the end of the season. I I, I think he's safe. Um, nothing would shock me though. Nothing. Nothing would. Shock. The only thing that that would that would like truly shock me this offseason is if they traded RJ Barrett. Literally, almost nothing else would shock me. I guess if Leon Rose was fired, that would shock me too. Trade RJ Barrett, fire Leon Rose. Anything else? Wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. Um, Kevin Danishevsky, what's going on, Kevin? Great to see you, my man. Thanks for sticking around um, the whole season on these things, halftimes, uh, you know, uh, DMs. And uh, apologies to anyone who has an outstanding DM to me on Twitter. Um, I've, it's, it's, been a, it's been a busy last couple of weeks, but I'll get to everybody before the end of the year, I promise. Um, last night was the first night I was too frustrated to even listen to your post game. The Emmanuel quickly decision was the straw that broke the camel's back. It's over. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, you know, like I said, the only – well, actually, I didn't really say this, but I'll say it now. The only consistently good thing about this team the entire year was the young players. Um, and that's why to like – it's you know, it's like the Kevin Garnett meme from uh, – from uncut gems. Like, why would you show it to me if I can't have it? You know? And it's worse than that. Even it's like showing it and then being like, Oh, okay. So you, you could, I just want to make sure you could see what it could do. I want you to be very clear about it. And then I'm going to give you back the shitty thing that I'm like refusing to not get out of your face. Um, so yeah. Uh, Shamik Gayen, what's going on, Shamik? I know this season has been marred by the Randall, and to a smaller extent, Tibbs of it all. But as fans, I think we could be happy with the RJ and Emmanuel quickly progression, along with Grimes and Sims flashes. I think that's a great – it's a great summary of the season, and thank you for the contribution. Um, <clears throat> I think everybody kind of is going to have their own order of, like, young players of preference, and that's kind of what's, what's, what's exciting. Like, I think there's a world where someone could be like, yeah, I think – I think Cam Reddish is the second most exciting young player on this team. And you know what? I'd be like, okay, that's fair. Um, you know, you could say Emmanuel quickly. You could say Obi Toppin. Um, you know, you could say Mitchell Robinson. You know, I, I, we, we kind of put off Mitch to the side because of the contract situation. Meanwhile, dude's still, whatever he is, 23 years old. Um, and he's still young. And there's a chance that they could get him on a decent deal moving forward. And he's going to be a part of, you know, this, this organization success moving forward. They have a lot of good young talent. Um, let's hope they know what they're doing with it. Uh, forgotten NYC. What's going on, my man at front office is to blame for me. Complete whiff, completely whiffed the off season. It's a, it's a fair, it's a fair stance, you know? And like, you're going to, we're going to look back on this year and you're going to look at the decisions they made and we're going to look at the Fournier contract, for instance. And, like, 
you're going to look at what he's making and you're looking up at the numbers that he put up this year. And then you watch like a sampling of games and be like, yeah, I mean, okay, it's a couple million too many, but that dude's a good player. Like in theory, that's what the Knicks, that's exactly what the Knicks needed. And then you go to look at Kemba and like, all right, 9 million a year, no risk. Right. And you know, there's a conversation to be had about like, was there a way to mitigate the risk that wasn't taken? Um, you know, and you could, and you could go down the line, but then see, to me, we're the biggest, honestly, the biggest blame they went and brought back Burks and went and brought back Rose and went and brought back Nerlens Noel and obviously locked up Julius Randle. That's the biggest one. Why did they do all those things? For continuity, for continuity and continuity. Continuity is supposed to be the thing that prevents this, you know? And that's why this has been, in addition to maybe the most frustrating season and, and not the least fun season, it's also been the most confusing season because, like, I could sit here and I have my theories about why it all went to shit. And you sitting there watching or listening have your theories about why it all went to shit. The, the fact of the matter is we really don't know for sure, you know? Um, but, you know, continuity is supposed to avoid this. And the opposite happened. So there you go. Uh, Barry Craver. What's going on, Barry? How are you? Good to, good to hear from you. Thank you, KFS crew, for keeping this season interesting. Please focus on what is important. David Fisdale joined a new team and ruined them. Yeah, I mean, like, if you are, if you are, uh, I think most Nick fans have probably gotten over any, any potential, uh, to, you know, down-in-the-dumps feelings that they had a while ago. But if you are someone who is like, my team sucks. My organization sucks. Nothing is good. Like <clears throat> go take a look around the league at some of the other situations. There's some pretty bad, there's some pretty bad situations out there. Uh, I'm not saying the Lakers are a terrible situation. They still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, but like, yeah, it's, it's hard to build a winning team. It's hard to do everything right. Very few organizations do it. And even the ones that do seem to do it all the time, like the heat, they have moments where things look fucked up and you know, it could also change. It, it could change on a trifle. You know, Boston Celtics look to be on the verge of, like, blow it up mode. And they've been just about the best team that the NBA has seen in years over the last three months. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, Roger Fortune. What's going on, Roger? Started following this channel from last year, and I wish I knew about it sooner. Uh, thank you, man. That, that means a lot to us. Uh, all I want to ever do, all we want to ever do, myself, Andrew, um, you know, Jeremy, uh, Benji, Chris, we, just want, we want to put out content that people want to consume. Um, so, and, and just kind of have a home for the, the fan community all around the world. So the fact that you like that, that, that means a lot to me and all of us. Um, from the highs and lows since I thank you, here's, here's the hope for next year. We always have hope. We always have hope, right? We're the Cubs. Wait till next year. Um, Kevin Danishevsky with one more. The good news is I don't think we've ever had a young core this good or at least since the 90s. It's been such a pleasure to watch recently, but redacted. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, that topic has come up a lot this year. The Knicks, this is the best young, the best Knicks young core since. I honestly think you have to go back to, to Ewing and Mark Jackson. And then if you want to throw in, um, I'm trying to think. So, and then they traded for Oakley. I don't know if Oakley counted as like part of the, that young core. He was already in his mid twenties by the time they traded for him. Um, but yeah, and then you got Rod Strickland, and like it's it's been a while. It's been a while. This organization has done a really poor job of bringing along young talent over the years. Um, so it's nice that they seem to have finally gotten that right. Um, we got a comment here from Bricks Nation. Nets lost. Laugh my ass off. Lost all respect for actor Ethan Hawke, who was at the Nets game rooting for Brooklyn. I get. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I know why Andrew put this as as a pin chat. So I, I shared it with our text. So Ethan Hawke, for anybody who doesn't know, lives like near me. Uh, I don't know exactly where he lives, but he lives somewhere in my neighborhood because I've seen him about five times since I moved here. And I I happened to be walking on the sidewalk earlier today, and I saw Ethan Hawke. Um, for all I know, maybe he was walking to the Barclays Center. It was a bit early. It was like the early afternoon, but he was, he was talking to a, a friend. He was not wearing a Nets jersey though. 
I guess, um, I guess he changed. Uh, oh, well, sucks for you, Ethan. Um, <clears throat> Jason M. Um, Jason, I just want to say um, thank you. Before I even read your comment, thank you for always spicing up the halftime Zooms and always contributing on here and uh, making your presence known. It's good, to, it's good to have diverse opinions. So even though we don't always agree, um, I appreciate what you what you bring to the table. Um, thanks for the content, even though I hate your tip stance. The most frustrating thing is we have no idea where this team is headed, and I have zero faith in Tibbs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the other side of the coin for a lot of fans is a lot of fans are going to enter this offseason feeling like, I don't care what we do with the roster. I don't care who we draft. I don't care who we trade for. I just don't trust this coach. And, like, you know <sighs> – I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get on a soapbox about Tibbs right now. I, I I'll just say again. I think it's it's it, if that's how you feel, that's fair. But I would have faith in the front office. Like every every front office gets to fire a coach, you know, and this front office is not above firing this coach. Obviously, they thought about doing it already, and they just decided not to. Um, you know, at some point they will pull that trigger. If they feel like, man, we got something really good going here and we think a different coach is going to be the difference. And I just hope for the sake of everybody who shares your opinion that Tibbs is not the guy and he's not the answer that whoever they pick next after Tibbs um, is the answer, you know, Um, but we'll uh, we'll see when when that comes. Um, And also a lot of this is really about they need to. As many have said, you gotta you gotta take the sharp object away from Tibbs. You know, you gotta you gotta prevent him from doing harm to himself. And they did a poor job of that. I'm not gonna say they did a poor job of that going into the season, but like, I don't think the situation was managed well. And then once the trade deadline passed, and nothing happened, you know, it's like. Yeah, you can blame Tibbs, but blame the front office also. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matt, my man, Matt, what's going on? I uh, I'm looking forward to getting in touch in the off season. I've been thinking about some uh, some of the things that we've talked about. Um, tough season, but appreciate you all, Matt. I can't thank you enough for the contribution. I can't thank you enough for uh, chiming in, and I can't thank you enough for the appreciation. Um, really kind of you, man. Thank you, seriously. And uh, we'll we'll talk soon for sure. Uh, Brian Benjamin, what's going on, Brian? Get the likes up. <laughs> Sure, why not? The Knicks are eliminated. Why? What's not to like? Um, all right. Jessica, of course, Jessica had to chime in on tonight of all nights. Uh, I appreciate you, Jessica. Same thing, you know, as I've been saying, you've been here from the beginning of the year. <clears throat> this season I'm, would not have would have been much less bearable without you. Um, there's a ton to look forward to in these young players, as long as the front office is smart enough to keep them. 
Let's just keep our fingers crossed for a wiser offseason from the front office than last time. Let's go Knicks. Extremely well said. Extremely well said. And like, just to expand upon this point and something that I was talking about earlier, um, again, there are eight, well, Bishop Robinson is not going to be a rookie contract player anymore, but there are, uh, and, and Jericho Sims is technically on a two-way, although they'll convert that deal. But there are, you know, if you include Sims, seven rookie contracts, players who will still be on rookie contracts that are slated to be on the roster next year. In, obviously, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, um, Deuce McBride, um, Cam Reddish, uh, Sims, and did I say Obi Toppin? I think I forgot Obi Toppin. Um, that's a lot of guys. I would be, and if you include Mitch, like I would be very surprised if they went into next season with the intention of having eight of the top 10 rotation spots be occupied by the eight names that I just read off. I'd, I'd personally be surprised. Um, does it mean it's not possible? Of course it's possible. It's absolutely possible. Um but and then they all by the way they have a, they have a draft pick coming up we haven't even like talk about things we haven't even started to wrap our mind around yet um there's gonna have to be some consolidation like we don't want to see any of these young players go we don't want to think about a world where any of these players are like outside of the rotation looking in next season um and honestly i think other than deuce who i i I think they there might still be a little bit of a wait and see with dues. I think everybody else, if they're here, will be in the rotation. So, like, if obviously RJ quickly goes without saying, if Grimes is here, he'll be in the rotation. If Obi's here, he'll be in the rotation. If Cam is here, he'll be in the rotation. Um, and then the two centers, Mitch and, and Jericho Sims. If they're here, I think they're going to be in the rotation. Maybe Sims is a chance he goes back to being a third stringer, but I don't think so. I think they like Sims. I think they believe in Sims. So then it's a question of like, okay, well, what do you do to consolidate? Which of these guys do you ship out? I don't really want to see any of them shipped out, to be honest with you. Um, I like these kids. I love the idea of a young core. I really love the idea of like maybe keeping one or two of the vets, you know, um, that we have and like adding one more piece somewhere, whether it's a Brunson or a Brogdon. Or it doesn't even have to be a point guard. If you want to try to go go out and like, you know, there's not a whole lot of obvious names um, out there in terms of guys. Like you want to make Anthony Simons a big offer in a strict free agency or try to work a sign and trade or something. Like there are guys out there that they could they could try to get. Um, I think the only way that the organization could be dumb is if they just made a really short-sighted trade. And what does a short-sided trade look like for this organization right now? I'm not sure if there's an obvious one on the table, which is like, you know, something that teams of Knicks past would be tempted to do. I don't see, I don't really see that trade out there. God knows, again, famous last words. We've seen them make some god-awful trades in the past. I don't see it out there. I think the worst thing that they could do is do something like overpay for, for Miles Turner to then go ahead and sign him to a, you know, big extension. Um, and I like t- Turner and I actually, I kind of would like for them to kick the tires on him. I just, I don't think we need to trade a young player to do it. I think you can get away with trading a draft pick and maybe one of the, one of the veterans. Um, so I think, I think they'll be smart. Uh, how smart? We'll, we'll see. Um, continuing along, Matt Smith, what's going on, Matt? Appreciate you chiming in. Very much appreciate the contribution. Thanks for the great season, as always. I'm curious what you think the market trade value is for some of our guys we may look to move. Uh, Mitch, Evan, Julius, Nerlens, et cetera. Do you realistically see Cam ever having a role here? I mean, I'll answer the last part first. Yes. I think the front office is still um, – I just saw Andrew's tweet, hashtag before mood night. It's fucking great. Um, shout out to Moon Knight. Good first episode, by the way. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, the front office is still steering the ship. They traded for him. Yes, they almost tried to trade him a week later, but only for a certain return. I think they like him. 
I think Cam's interesting. I think Cam's earned himself a real look. I think I see him having a role here. I think the fact that he can play the three or the four, I think that helps. Um, you know, as for the value of our guys, um, Mitch, I don't like he's a free agent and there's teams with money. What's his valuation? I think his valuation should be the Robert Williams contract four years, 52, $53 million. Might he go a little bit more than that? Yeah, he might because you know, it's tough to get a good young player in unrestricted free agency. That really doesn't happen in the NBA anymore. So maybe a team like the Pistons decides like, Hey, fuck it. Yeah. Here's four for 60, you know, or here's three for, you know, 48. I don't know. Something crazy. Maybe I doubt it. Evan, Evan Fournier, I think like, could they find a team willing to take on Evan Fournier's contract for a middling, expiring veteran contract and a second-round pick? Yeah, I think so. Like, Derek White got traded for Josh Richardson and two firsts. I think one protected this summer I'm or this season at the trade deadline. I'm not saying... Evan Fournier is as good as Derek White. Obviously, Derek White, even though he hasn't shot the ball well, has been an incredibly instrumental piece to what Boston has done. But, like, Derek White was on a big contract. He's signed for a lot more years at about, like, I think 15 or $16 million a year. Not nothing. A little bit less than Evan. Like, Derek White is a really gifted defensive player who's a really good cod, you know? Fournier is a different type of player. He's more of a six-man on a good team. But, man... If that guy fucking gets going, as we've seen this season, like he'll win you some games, and if he's coming off the bench, you don't—he won't lose you as many games because you could pull the plug a little earlier. So, like, I think Fournier has a little value. I, I don't know that I'd—I'd I'd still cons—I consider it like a, a neutral contract, still probably a level below neutral, but it's—it's it's not far from neutral. And then the other two, I mean, Nerlens Noel is like. Nerlens Noel has has ceased to to be Nerlens Noel. He is now Nerlens Noel's expiring contract. Um, and then Julius is like I I I don't know. If you want to tell me that there are executives out there who think that Julius Randle has one of the five worst contracts in the NBA, I'd be like, okay, that checks out. If you want to tell me that there are executives out there who think that the Knicks could still get like a first round pick for Julius Randle um, and like, you know, first round pick and, uh, and send over an expiring contract or something or a couple expiring contracts for Julius. I, I believe that too. Um, I tend to think his contract is less tradable than, than others do. I think they'll be able to move it. I think they'll be able to move it if they want to, but I do not think it has value. And I do think it is probably has to be considered one of the 10 to 15 worst contracts in the league at this point. Um, I don't know how you watch the Knicks this year and think anything differently. Um, James, what's going on, James? I haven't seen you in a while. James Stanzioni, what a year it has been. No matter what happened, we still have a bright future. Completely agree. I love you, John. Can't wait for the draft watch party. IQ is the GOAT. Love you too, James. Uh, it's good to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, draft watch party, man. It, it, it'll be fun. Uh, lottery first. Lottery. We got to do a lottery thing. This is the year, right? This is the year. This is the year we move up. I'm convinced. Convinced. Um, forgotten NYC. So how does the franchise bounce back next year? I think you could ask 10 different people, and I think you could get 10 different answers. My personal answer, as will surprise absolutely no one who listens to me, and I'm I'm sorry if you're tired of me saying this, but I, I, I cannot tell a lie. Um, the franchise bounces back by trading Julius Randle and getting Julius Randle and his personality and his mood swings and his general shitty demeanor as far away from this fucking franchise as possible. And that is how they bounce back. You focus on the kids. You focus on the good vibes, good energy, good work ethic in the room. Um, you know, you get rid of Randall. If you could bring in someone with some real gravity for Randall, even if it's not a great contract, even if you have to give up a first, like give up the Dallas first or something to get rid of Randall and bring in a guy who you're pretty confident is going to be able to fit in well with this group and is like, oh, you know, that's to me how the franchise bounces back. 
and invest in the youth and play the kids with, again, a couple of select veterans, two, three vets, seven, seven young players. Let's go. Giddy up. It's pretty easy. Um, SB Gorilla, what's going on, man? Uh, thank you again for the contribution. You've been so generous of late uh, and chiming in again. Uh, Damien here. Oh, Damien, I know your name now. Hi, Damien. Want to echo the sentiments of the earlier chat. It's my first year here. I'm here for the long haul. Well, you get ready. Make sure you have something good to drink. Um, keep up the good work. I hope we can have the young guys play a ton in the last five games. Yeah, I mean, no one's asked it yet, but I'll say it anyway. If you're asking me my personal wish for the last five, I mean, love me some Alec Burks. I've, I've uh, warmed up on Evan Fournier. Uh, you know, just play the kids. Can they play only the kids? I actually don't think that's that's possible. Because so you got Mitch and Sims at, at the center spots. You could do Obi at the four. You could run RJ at backup four, which means basically your three minutes are going to be RJ and if Grimes isn't back, you actually wouldn't be able to do this. You would you would have to have either Burks or Fournier. I'm fine with keeping one of them around. That's fine. Play Fournier. Play Fournier and RJ. Um, give quickly a ton of minutes. Give McBride a ton of minutes. It'd be great if Grimes got back too. Um, but yeah, roll, roll with those, roll with those guys the rest of the year. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, Chad Cohen. Thanks for a great season, John. Hope the hope next year brings better players and redacted anywhere else. Maybe we could take his access away now. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if Julius Randall showed up to work tomorrow and his key card didn't work? The things that give me joy. Um, oh, this is from Andrew. FYI, the lottery will be both a playback watch party and a live stream watch along. Um, you'll only get to see our reactions on YouTube, not the broadcast. Um, yes. So look out for that. Um, Juanon, what's going on, Juanon? Thanks for the hard work this season, fellas. It's not hard work. It's just therapy. But then again, therapy is hard work. Um, what's your prediction on the Jazz's impending playoff implosion and how that can impact us? In my opinion, it's Rudy who is going to be dealt. Mitchell isn't leaving. So I think <clears throat> I think a couple things. Um, and before I actually answer that, one more super chat just came in from Jay Jayan. The front office will find a new zip code for Randall. I think they will too. I think they will too. Okay. My, th- my thoughts on the Jazz. Um, I actually – I don't think the Knicks are in a good position to trade for Donovan Mitchell this summer. Unless the Jazz would talk themselves into Julius Randle as a return. And obviously not just Julius Randle. It's Julius Randle and three first-round picks and two swaps. You know, um, fuck, they might ask for a young player, too. Um, not RJ, but like, I don't know, Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel Quickly or I want like. I, I don't think in a million years the Jazz would accept a player the caliber of Julius Randle with like all his question marks as like the main on court return for Donovan Mitchell. So if they're not going to accept that then what are the Knicks trading in terms of players who could play on the court now? You're going to tell me the Jazz are going to be perfectly content getting a bunch of expiring contracts and then a bunch of picks for from a team that Donovan Mitchell may spend the rest of his career with and that like has R.J. Barrett on it? Like, What are those picks going to be worth? I wouldn't do that if I was the Jazz, um, which is why, again, I think the best time for the Knicks to be in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes will be a year from now. So if the Jazz do implode, do I think it would be a better idea? Would, am I, as a Knicks fan, rooting for them to like trade Rudy Gobert and try to reshuffle the deck? I mean, I guess probably not, because if they do that, it's going to make it more likely that maybe Mitchell stays. At the same time, like... I don't think Rudy Gobert is a lot of value. I don't think Rudy Gobert is going to net them a, a deal that they really love. I think you're going to have to find a desperate team. And like Zach Lowe pitched around a couple of trades with Bill Simmons a few weeks ago. They talk about Atlanta. Like you want to tell me like 
is is Clint Capella and Bogdan Bogdanovich changing Donovan Mitchell's life? You know, like DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella and Kevin Herter. Like, are those three guys changing the Jazz's life and making Donovan Mitchell want to stay in Utah? I don't know if I see that. So, like, to me, any way you cut it, if the Jazz implode this 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 summer, um, I think it's going to like I do think it's going to be good. My fear is that Mitchell basically is like, I want out. Just trade me. Here's my list of like six teams that I'm okay going to. And here's the other part of it, right? He really can't say that yet. He has three more years left on his contract. I actually don't even think he could demand a trade. I don't think he will demand a trade. I think if anything, he'll walk into their office and be like, fucking make changes. Cause otherwise I'm going to be pissed and I'm going to demand a trade a year from now. So if they, if he does that and they're like, we should get what we want we could get for this guy now, which I don't think they'll do, but just for, hear me out. Like, I think there's another trade out there, another team that, that could make a, a nice trade for him. Like the heat can Harrow and, and, um, and uh, my boy, um, whose name is escaping me, of course, right now, the guy who I want to pay $125 million to, um, like that's a trade, you know, um, they'd have to, the Heat don't have any picks, but I don't know. Do, do the Jazz want Tyler Harrow? Maybe. Um, there's probably another trade out there I'm not thinking of. Um, Duncan Robinson. Thank you. I don't know why I blanked on Duncan Robinson. Um, so yeah, I think the Jazz situation is going to be really interesting. I don't really have, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's, again, there's a part of me that hopes it doesn't get too bad. Because I don't want him to be traded this offseason because I don't think it's going to be to the Knicks. Uh, Jason M. says, if Mitchell asks out, Presti will make a godfather offer to pair SGA with Mitchell. Maybe. Um, but then again, if you're, if you're Presti, are you confident that Donovan Mitchell is going to be there for the long haul? Because the amount of time and effort and energy that Presti has put into this rebuild and getting all these picks, I feel like he's going to use the picks for like the last piece of the puzzle. Once they like get the like draft for the guys who are going to be here for the long term. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's a Presty move. Maybe, maybe I'm misreading the situation. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I actually think uh, that the more likely scenario is that we start to hear rumors, maybe not this summer, but soon of like SGA potentially being on the block that I wouldn't be shocked by at all. And, and that being, his godfather offer for like the first or second pick in this draft or the third pick in this draft or something that I think is more likely. Um, Cause we already heard rumors of that last year. So we'll see. Um, okay. I think that's it. We've managed to talk about, um, we managed to put a, a, a nearly hour long um, eulogy on this, on this team that did not deserve a five minute eulogy. Oh, wait, hold on. We got one more. One more from Matt Smith. What's going on? And a couple more coming in. Okay, I'll stay on. Matt Smith, the only way I see us being able to make a big trade this summer is if we fall in the top four and Zion demands out. To me, the more likely trade this summer is – and I, I, I say this as like 6% versus 4% is Zion because I don't think a team is going to trade for Zion – unless they feel like it's going to be a situation where he could be like happy there. I think the Knicks would go all in for Zion. I think the Knicks would give all the picks. And I think, you know what, you know who I think actually would trade for Julius Randle um, and a bunch of picks. Maybe new Orleans, the complicated situation there, as we've discussed lately is like, what did, what does new Orleans want with a bunch of picks, but maybe it's a three-way trade, right? Maybe the picks go somewhere else. And maybe New Orleans gets another player. Um, I don't know. Who else wants picks? Um, yeah, it's tricky, but I, I wouldn't rule it. I wouldn't. I, I think Zion has played his last game for the Pelicans. So, um, SB Gorilla, not all kids just split time, at least 24 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Just let us, let us, let us, let them get run. And then Juanon with one more. Would we have interest in Gobert? I hope not. I hope not. I really, really hope not. Um, oh, yes. Andrew just texted me. Lottery luck. That's how we get Zion. 
So yeah, I guess we if we got into the top four, top four pick and Julius Randle for Zion. There's your trade. Anyway, um, would we have interest in Gobert? Yeah, I hope not. Um, like, I don't even know what that trade would look like necessarily. It would be Randall. God, what's Gobert making? Gobert's making. Actually, have his. I think I have his salary right up here. Um, Rudy Gobert is making a lot of money. Uh, he's making thirty-seven point six million dollars next year. So you're talking. You know, you're talking Randall and an expiring, uh, and a pick, two picks. Okay, you make that trade for Gobert, then you have Gobert and RJ and all the kids, right? I don't know. I'll tell you what. I've talked myself into worse. Uh, a couple more here just coming in. SB Gorilla. I would love Zion, but where does Obi fit? Still coming off the bench. I think I think Zion, like, <sighs> here's the issue with Zion and RJ on the same team, right, is we both know where they want to exist. They want to exist on the block. They both want to exist on the block very clearly. They are also both very smart basketball players. And RJ has shown the ability, as I wrote about this week and why it's important, RJ has shown the ability to consistently hit spot-up three-pointers. That matters. Zion has shown a little bit of shooting ability. Um, and I think if you put those two on the floor with three shooters, now, I think if you have RJ and Zion on the same team, it becomes it becomes so beyond necessary, beyond, like, you must get a stretch five. Or, or, or someone who could protect the rim because Zion ain't protecting shit. Um, so yes, I guess that is a long-winded way of saying move Obi to the bench, um, or or maybe Obi goes. I don't know. I don't know. If we get Zion Williamson, I'm not as concerned about what happens with Obi Toppin. I am concerned about getting a lot of floor spacing and a lot of elite floor spacing and also elite defenders because like something else Zion doesn't necessarily want to do is play a lot of defense. Um, RJ still needs to show me more on defense. So, like, those two would have questions as a pairing. Not saying I wouldn't sign for it tomorrow. I would. Um, but it's not without questions. Tyler Michaels asks, could the Leon Rose regime pull off a Presti-style rebuild in New York? Not in our lifetime, fella. Never going to happen. They will never – like, they, they tanked for one year, and they got away with it by selling – we're getting Kevin Durant, you know, and maybe Zion. That's what they sold. They sold that for a year and it didn't happen. And they, they ain't doing that again. Unless in, I mean, God, unless, 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 uh, here's how that happens. Uh, next year goes very badly. Leon gets fired. James Nolan gives Masai Ujiri, fuck what, $30 million? I don't know. Whatever. A blank check. And Masai goes to James James Nolan and sa says he puts him in the Hannibal Lecter straight jacket with the, with the thing and says, you're going to stay in there and you're going to let me do whatever the fuck I want for the next five years. And Masai then tanks. That's the only way you'll ever see it. Um, and I don't think any of those things are happening. Um, <clears throat> uh, we got a couple other uh, comments coming in here. Chad Cohen, I think the Jazz should trade Rudy for Bogdanovich so they could have two players with essentially the same name. <laughs> he might be part of that trade. He might be part of that trade. It's Capella and, and Bogey actually work salary wise, so you might get it. Um, you might you might get it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not holding my breath. Um, I'm not holding my breath on on that one though. Um, okay. I think, I think that is it. This has been a lot of fun. This really has. I, I needed this one tonight. This was, I got, that's why I said, these are, everybody says, is, is here sitting here thanking us. It's more for us than for you guys. This is therapy. It's free therapy. Um, and the fact that you guys actually contribute so generously makes it, makes it all the better. Um, <laughs> Gobert and Trey is a hilarious combo, Andrew. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you're uh, listening tomorrow, thanks for checking it out. Uh, we will have live stream Saturday. 
Um, another live show with me and Jeremy Sunday night, uh, post games until the end of the season, the whole, the whole, whole, the whole thing. And uh, until next time, we will talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.